You're listening to Rosie on the House. And it's 8 o'clock. It is the outdoor living hour. Come on around back. This is where we go from our 7 o'clock Arizona people, places, and things hour to back down to earth hour. When I talk down to earth, I'm talking hands in the soil. Of course, Saturday of the month, we have urban farmer, farmer Greg and the urban farm. Welcome to the broadcast. And I can see you've already been busy at it this morning. We're coming into the summer. The lights up at five o'clock. You you've been out in the garden, haven't you? Loving it, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What'd you get done this morning at the urban farm? Oh my gosh, I walked the dog. I pulled a few weeds out of the front yard, and I'm sure you fed them to your chickens, which is the topic of today. There you go. I was going to say it's really appropriate the rooster at the beginning (laughs) of this segment. And we are with Kari Spencer, Kari Spencer uh, author from... and hello, the hello. City Farm. And you joined us at the end of last month with, um, along with Farmer Greg, we had uh, John Eisenhower in. Welcome back. Thank you. We're talking chickens today. And if you have a question or you'd like to join the conversation, it is the topic on chickens, but we've got uh, a variety of expertise sitting here before us, along with uh, y'all are you're a, a master gardener as well through the corporate extension office, correct? Cooperative extension, yeah. Yes, and I am. Master farmer as well. And that's uh, a great opportunity for you to connect with them by dialing one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. You can text questions to four one one nine two three. Or if you have a question, you can email it to info at rosieonthehouse.com. You've got maybe a plant insect identification you need help with. Just take out your phone, snap a picture, and email it to info at rosieonthehouse.com. So why chickens? What's the benefit? Oh, my gosh. Well, besides fresh eggs every morning. <laughs> and fun. <laughs> oh, and definitely fun. They're, uh, they're a riot. You know, one of the things that the chickens do for me in my backyard is they mow my grass. I let them free range in my backyard, not in my gardens. They will take out your garden as well. But I let them free range in my backyard, and they do all my mowing for me. Yeah, and, you know, Greg just said that chickens will take out a garden. So if you have a garden that is at the tail end of the growing season and you want to refresh it, put the chickens in there. They'll refresh that garden for you. Refresh and refertilize. Yes, they will. They'll scratch through it. They'll aerate it. They'll fertilize it. And they're great composters as well. Yeah, they are really good at breaking down organic matter. And when you talk about funny, they are quite entertaining to have while you're out in your yard and you're, you know, just uh, or, or just sitting under the shade tree enjoying the afternoon. They're they're very rarely idle. Oh yes, they're <laughs> they're perpetual motion machines. When we oh, first yes. got chickens. We just stared at them for hours, <laughs> watching them because they were so fun. Well, I'm very proud of you that in your book you don't have any pictures of chickens with diapers on. No. Wait, no. Jennifer, Jennifer gets another magazine at home, Mary Jane something something. They put diapers on the chickens and they roam through the house. Oh, no way. <laughs> That's not something we did. We only had our chickens in the house when they were tiny little chicks. I'm with then you on that outside. one. I'm with you. So where do we get started? What, uh, where do you buy a chicken? Well, there's a lot of places that you can get chickens. In the springtime, they're at feed stores. Uh, you might even be able to find them right now at the feed stores. I'm not yep. really sure. Western Ranchman's always great. They're near 32nd Street and Greenway. You can talk to Dottie and Amy over there. And, you know, they usually have some. 
Yeah. Well, and, and oftentimes I stop there on my way home picking up sack feed. Uh-huh. And this is the part of the broadcast they always hear uh, as they're getting their oh, store open. Yes, and it they is. always refer- reference Greg. And, hey, I heard Greg on the show again. Uh, well, now we <laughs> do a shout out the to them. There you go. <laughs> yeah, another place, and this is kind of fun. You can order hatching eggs online. And if you order the ones that are just about to hatch, sometimes they will hatch in transit. So when your package arrives, it's cheaping. Now, the <laughs> caution point there is it's not sexed, so you don't know what you're getting. It depends on the hatchery. It okay. depends on the kind of chicken. But, yeah, there is a risk with any buying any baby chick that you might get a rooster because they are difficult. To sex, but the hatcheries are pretty good at it. They yeah. have, uh, we were talking about this the other day, they have about a 99% accuracy rate. Yep. Uh, so if you're ordering chicks that are guaranteed to be hens, then that's what you get about 99%. Yeah. We've, and, pr- we've ordered probably close to 300 chickens over the last six years we keep a constant turnover going so we always have fresh eggs and there's been one time we had a rooster and it was a it was the polish breed so it wasn't even a common breed we were Mm. just trying something new we we usually we go with our tried and true hatching Mm -hmm. our laying breeds Mm -hmm. and then we'll throw in a random one here or there just for fun what are the tried and true breeds that you raise you know right now we rotate between longhorns and uh, mm-hmm. Buff Orpingtons. Leghorns? Leghorns. Did Leghorns. I say longhorn? Yeah. That's our cows, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Getting my, my animals mixed up here. Leghorns and uh, and Buffs are our best layers. And yeah. we tried a, a one recently, a private uh, hatchery out of California that raises Buckeyes that are designed for the Southwest. And, again, my problem wow. there is we ordered 24 and – 14 ended up being roosters. roosters. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. So we had chicken stew for a long time yeah. <laughs> wow. before we had eggs. but <laughs> Yeah, that can happen. What are your breeds of preference? Rhode Island Reds are another good one. R- Rhode Island Reds are good. They're, they're a little bit more aggressive than I like. Buffs are nice. Barred Rocks. Barred Rocks, mm-hmm. yeah. Are great. Definitely. Those are nice colors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Boy, there are a lot of great chicken breeds. One of the, my favorites is a, a, a very ugly breed, but does great here. The naked neck chicken. They oh look gosh, like they no. look like turkeys, little no. turkeys. No, <laughs> no, no. Ugly pets should be should be outlawed. And speaking of outlawed, in, in my mind, I'm wondering, as a listener, what lot size do I need? For uh, for uh, for chickens, and how many chickens do I need to ensure I get one fresh egg a day? And do I have to check with the city or the homeowner association at all? Can I just bring well, a couple chickens more, to the yard? A couple more points on breeds before we go into size and requirements. How many more breeds are there? There, oh my gosh! <laughs> I think <laughs> I think my book has at least 180 different breeds in it. Seriously, at least. chickens, but we've ruled out the. The headless chicken. Well, it has a head. It just doesn't have any feathers on its neck. <laughs> You've got to be careful if you're you're new to it and you're shopping, knowing what you're getting. And there was a time we we read a review. Um, everybody said, "Man, this this is a great bird." You've got to go. Well, no one ever said it was a bantam. So we end up with these little quail oh, size eggs, eggs. Yeah. and these 
Phoenix Bantam Chickens are incredible flyers. So they got out of everything. They became extremely aggressive and uh, <laughs> worked out being great uh, target practice for the kids. Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. <You're> so bad. <laughs> when I said, so bad. I said, you what know, do you guys want to do with them? They said, I know my sweet Heidi out, is out there cringing this morning because these hens are her pets. <laughs> And when they get sick, they come inside into the we, – we have a uh, place where we keep them inside until they get well again. So we we keep our hens as pets, not as uh, <laughs> well shooting practice. With my 8-year-old daughter, I mean, they were attacking her every time she would go to feed. Oh. And I'm like, do whatever you want with them. She's like, I got the BB gun. I'm like, whatever. I said, whatever. And oh, sure enough, no. she took care of the problem for us. Well, those bantams, they're – First, we should just explain what a bantam is. It's just a midget breed, a small breed. <laughs> yeah, that's a good And they're very it. funny. They are incredibly fun to watch. And they, some of them, like the frizzles, they they just look hilarious to begin with. But they do tend to get a little bit more aggressive than the bigger, heavier breeds. Mm, really? And even though they're tiny, they can be loud. Really those small loud. body frames, they can fly. Those bigger chickens, their wings just can't support the weight. So those bantams become extremely good flyers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, bantams might be nice if you have a small space and you want to have chickens that are small. And you got to have a chicken prison. They can't get out. Right. You got you to gotta have that so that they well, don't fly away that, on you. Yeah, that's only part of the, the reason to have a chicken prison, though. I live right here at 16th Street in <laughs> Bethany Home, essentially. And a year and a half ago, we lost some chickens to a bobcat or two bobcats right in the middle of Phoenix. And a mere three months ago, we had a raccoon on our back patio, which will also take out chickens. And those raccoons are not afraid of you or me no. or anybody. No. <laughs> they will fight for their territory. Right. Yeah. And the coyotes are a little afraid of humans, but they come at night yeah. when you're not watching. Yeah. So if you are going to put together... You know, chickens for your backyard. I'm a big, big proponent of everybody having at least three in your backyard. You have to have a predator-proof coop. And you talk about the letting them out during the day and doing your mowing, though, which works right. great because yep. if you raise them in the coop night and day, night and day, when you open the coop, they just go back there at night. They like to roost. They like to yep. be up high. You you give them a nice – I mean, they, they tuck themselves in bed every time Landry doesn't close the coop behind her because she loves to watch them out in the yard and – even though they, like you say, they eat mama's flowers sometimes and we have to shoo them off. But nighttime comes and, I mean, they just go close the gate. That's one of the reasons that I like to let my chickens out an hour or two before dusk. Because then they can go they out and run around. have limited time of destruction. Yeah, they're going to be looking for the most juicy treats like the insects and oh, not yeah. so much my plants. Unless, of course, there's a ripe tomato. You'll <laughs> take that for sure. But... They will run around the yard, take care of the insects, and then put themselves away. And I don't have to herd them back into the coop. Well, we've got a number of callers lined up ready to talk. We've got uh, uh, an open line still at one 767 4348-188-ROSIE for you. Uh, text to 411-923. Or if you've got uh, a picture you'd like to send to help, uh, whether plant or insect identification or we're talking chickens today chicken yep. breed identification you can email that to info at rosyonthehouse.com joined by farmer greg of the urban farm and kari spencer of um Not i know the author of the city farming book i know you the micro project is still the burned in the back project. of my brain 
brain, but it's it's the city farming author now. Yes. <laughs> and the micro project's been uh, like a lot of projects. It's been uh, reprioritized. Absolutely, we moved, and so that it does that has a way of reprioritizing everything. Is there somebody managing the micro? No, we actually now? sold the original property. We're on a brand new property, and but we did are the, starting the, over. Did the new buyers keep up and keep continue to propagate? And you harvest? know, we were hopeful that they would, but in the end, they ended up not doing <laughs> that, and so we were a little sad about that. But we have enjoyed the opportunity to start over fresh, especially knowing what we know now. Because with our first property, of course, we made a lot of mistakes, and so now we. We can start fresh. There you go. Hey, I like that. We've got uh, uh, opportunity to get on the line at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. And if you're out in the garden and yard and you find yourself slapping and swatting at mosquitoes, I know we don't have a lot here in Arizona, but those little microclimates, uh, especially when you introduce water, you've got some standing water and a nearby abandoned pool. Well, hey, look, if you've got an abandoned pool, no one's taking care of it. Just get Bonides mosquito beater water soluble pouches drop a few on top and it'll kill the larva before it even hatches if you've got maybe a deck or a wood stack that you're trying to fog them out of bonite's got you covered there with their mosquito beetle beater yard fogger you've got a lawn area you can hook up your ready to spray application they even have a granular you can uh, spread right into your gardens and be mosquito-free. Bonide products are proudly made in America, and you can find them all over the state, including Savano's in Tucson, all Summer Winds locations in the Phoenix metro area, and in northern Arizona at Waters Garden Center out on Iron Springs Road. We're not quite talking that level of farming today here at Rosie on the House. You have a combine at the Urban Farm? Yeah, no, I don't, but I'm that level of a farmer. Yeah, baby. <laughs> we, we'll go to any level you want to talk about. one 888 Rosie had some great questions about size and numbers and volumes, and we're going to get to those, but we're going to jump straight to a couple questions from our listening audience at one 888 Starting with Cindy, welcome to the program. Good morning, and thank you, everybody. I live in an area that's zoned for animals, but a block and a half away or so, there must be a rooster because there's he's loud all night until like 3 a.m., and I don't know what to do. Are you in an incorporated city? Uh, yeah, around 64th Street and Cactus. Oh, interesting. So 64th Street and Cactus Rooster. I think I know who you're talking I, about. I know that, I know that rooster. <laughs> well, good. I know him, too, because that's my bike route on Sunday mornings. Oh, there you go. He's famous. Yeah. How long do, would will a rooster live? <laughs> oh. Just natural lifespan. Cause that's he, my option. He's about four or five years old. How, how long is his natural life going to left on them i've heard up to 25 years i've yeah. had them last nine years <laughs> probably not that long in arizona but yeah about nine years about nine years yeah yeah so but are you allowed to have roosters well you have to check with the uh, city zoning and planning department 
and see what the story is. In Phoenix, I know you can have roosters if you have an acre maybe, um, but I'm a big proponent of no roosters because I value my sleep. Because one of the urban myths is that urban that uh, roosters crow at sunrise. They crow whenever they want. Oh, yeah. 24-7. Long. All the time. Yeah. Yes. Well, if you could please we had a pass information on, I'll wonderful. not My go to the city yet. Trained okay. and tamed. Well. But he slept in the shed at night so that he wouldn't wake my neighbors, and we got really tired of doing that all the time. So we, we sold him. Mm. Um, but, yeah, roosters in the city, first of all, they're, they're not allowed in Phoenix. You're not supposed to have them unless you're zoned for them. Yeah, I suspect the same in Scottsdale. Yeah. Call the, yeah. Call the city. Yeah. Ask what their uh, zoning regulations are. And if, if there's a violation, then what, they would notify them that there's a yeah. rooster at this location. Yep. Can you please address it with the homeowner that yes, they're in violation? Exactly. And then Exactly. So there's one thing you could do before that, and that's go see the homeowner if you're willing to do that. Um, although, can you please put a bag over his head at night or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they could put him in a shed at night. <laughs> yeah, put him. In. And that might solve the, the the nighttime problem. But it it is potential at that location that they might actually have enough property and be zoned to have that rooster. Yeah. So. So and then in that case, it's just you know trying to like you said tuck him in someplace at night. If if it's dark and he's confined, they usually just sit there quiet till they get out. Right. It's not like a, a dog where they'll start scratching and tearing up the inside if they're locked in too long. Yeah. Those chickens, roosters, they, they just sit there. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're in their exactly. safe space, and it's dark, and I'm just going to sit here. So good luck with your rooster problem, Cindy. Let's go to Cody's got an interesting question about uh, problems that his parents had when raising chickens. wants to know if there's a way to solve. Welcome, Cody. Hi. Thank you. Go um, ahead. Yeah, so they've they've had they had chickens for about four years and then this past year all of a sudden they started getting rats coming around oh yeah rats and chickens yep they go hand in hand yeah and they've been tearing up the uh they've been getting up into their motorhome and tearing up all the wiring my dad had to have the the whole motorhome rewired because of the fact that the rats got in there and uh tore up all the wiring and stuff and um, they had to end up getting rid of all the chickens. Oh yes, uh, <laughs> to try to, you know, fix the problem. But I was wondering if there was anything that they could do because I mean they've done rid a rat and they've done the little, you know, the red light that blinks and that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know. I, I was just wondering if there was any solution that they could so they could have chickens again. Yeah, well, um, with chickens come rodents. And bugs and that kind of stuff. So we have to put systems in place to help manage that. Um, I found something that works really well. It's a rat zapper. Um, Okay. uh, And it basically electrocutes them. Um, I guess we're going to take this up (laughs) up after. The rat zapper complete. The rat terminator. (laughs) More at Rosie on the House right after this. We've got Jim who wants to talk about a peach tree. We've got... uh, a call from Southern Arizona. I can't quite see all the questions. An open line at one 767 4348 Text to 411-923 or email at info at
the beginning of the month, we had Hickman's in with the Arizona Farm Bureau talking farm fresh eggs. And if you weren't convinced then that eggs were the most perfect natural uh, meal that you could start your morning with, along with a nice tall glass of orange juice, and you're now ready to bring chickens into your own backyard, we have Kari Spencer of uh, the City Farm author and of the Urban Farm, Farmer Greg, talking about care and raising for chickens in a question yes. that was posed from a caller in the last segment, Cody, I believe. Yeah, about rats. You know, with So we have a rat problem here in the Valley. I, I thought it was just us because we had chickens, but as I've been asking around, there's a lot of rats in all kinds of neighborhoods. And a big part of it is it really hasn't gotten cold for the past three winters. In fact, my apricot tree has no apricots on it this year and barely has budded out here in, you know, approaching May. And that's not a rat problem yet. That's, that's not a, a rat problem. problem. That's a cold problem. So, you know, not getting cold in the wintertime causes other problems like pestilence and fruit tree issues and that kind of stuff. So well, the, I've caught a dozen rats at the urban farm in the past three months. Um, I use the rat zapper. Uh, it basically electrocutes them. It's set every day. I have, we haven't gotten one in you know probably a month, but I set the thing every day. So it's an ongoing thing, um, and as long as you keep it under control. And that's a great strategy, having it set every day, because usually mm -hmm. by the time you see droppings or an actual rat, mm -hmm. there's more than just one. Exactly. So your, your problem's a lot bigger than what you right. just now identified. So right. having it set every day, there's no, they're just like gophers. There's no one solution. You've got to yep. have an arsenal. And you've, like you said, you've got to be constant. Yeah. And then we have, you know, we have a couple of farm cats that live in the backyard at the urban farm. So that, that helps. And they, uh, you know, Calima, our, our calico farm cat, barrel farm cat in the backyard, uh, has taken out two rats us this year so oh does she bring them to you uh leaves them on the patio yeah absolutely. absolutely another thing you can do is put your feed in a oh yes. in a metal container like a trash can a metal yep. trash can with a tight fitting lid and put your feet away at night yes. so that it's not just sitting there uh, for the rats to have free right. access to right don't feed at night don't have food out at night you don't want food out at night for rats for bobcats for uh, and this is cat food. This is dog food. You don't want to leave that stuff out because it, it attracts the pestilence. And that's a great point on the metal trash cans. All of ours are in metal trash cans. Yep. And we even put two cinder blocks tipped over sideways and put the trash can on top of that yep. to keep crickets from harboring underneath those, uh, uh, yes, you know, that, that little raise above the, yep. <laughs> from the stand to the oh, bottom. Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, metal trash cans are a must. Yeah, if you got a rubber made one right now, that's fine. But uh, you'll see in four or five years, anything in the sun is just going to, Rubberized is going to be non-rubberized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there, there was two myths to roosters, that they crow at sunrise. And I'm going to interject one thing. We All had right, Mike, cool. who listens regularly from yeah, the yeah. Chiricahua Mountains. I'm sure this is the guy that lives on Turkey Creek that calls often. He All of his rat traps, he's got them constantly out, just oh, like yeah. you did, and gets them from their tractor supply down there. So yeah. anything, just Mike, thanks for tuning in from the Chiricahuas this morning. Beautiful nice. part of Arizona. Yes, yes, absolutely. Second so, myth about roosters. So first myth is that they crow at sunrise. Second myth is that you actually need a rooster to get eggs. Not any more than, you know, a young lady needs a rooster to get eggs. So you can get eggs. You don't need a rooster. If you want to hatch your own, 
and have a you, you know propagate your own continual supply of baby chicks. Then you need a rooster. But if you're just going for the eggs for eating, yep, yeah, don't need exactly. it. Exactly. So check with. So really, the bottom line is check with your municipality. Um, the neighborhood services department, see what's legal there. And usually uh, it's only a complaint basis that causes problems. So you can have chickens all you want in places like Glendale and Chandler that don't allow you to have chickens legally until somebody complains. So you just need to, you know, take your neighbor's eggs. I can see the complaint about roosters. I, I don't see a complaint about chickens. As Hens. long as you, as long Hens, as you yeah. don't have too many. And they're not getting out and running around and scalping your neighbor's rose bushes. Who's even going to know you got them in the backyard? Right. As long as there's not a lot of flies or smells. If you're keeping it clean, there's generally not a problem. Yeah. And you've got a note here about the difference between chicks and pullets. As what's, what's the <laughs> difference there? Is, is that not the same thing? Chicks usually buy within the first few days of life. They're tiny little fluff buckets. Yep. They're just so cute. And pullets are a little bit older, um, and sometimes people will want to buy what's called a point-of-lay hen. That is a, a bird that's maybe about 15 weeks old, 16 mm-hmm. weeks old, who's just on the verge right before she's going to start laying eggs. So you don't have to raise the chicks, and you get the bird right before she starts laying eggs so you get the full value of her whole entire egg-laying life without having to go to the work of... Taking care of the baby chicks. Which really isn't a lot of work. You just feed them and water them like you would anything else. Yeah, and I highly recommend actually starting with chicks because not only are they very adorable, but you get a chance to bond with them while they're tiny. When they get older, if they don't want to be held, (laughs) good luck. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But when they're tiny chicks, you can hold them and get them used to you. On the grand scheme of things... uh, it's not a big money difference, but I, I think it's a lot cheaper too. You get those little tiny chicks. I mean, they're like two a bucks. buck, a buck fifty, two bucks. Yep. A point of lay chicken, fifteen to twenty five. Right, depending on the breed and the breeder. That's, yeah, a sack of feed is fifteen bucks, and it'll take a baby chick almost a point of lay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. When, yeah. Yeah, you do need a little bit more equipment though. You do need a brooder, you know, a box that you can keep them in, and you need a heat source because they don't, they're so small they can't hold any body heat. So you got to give them a, a heat lamp or something like that to keep them warm until they grow and start to feather out. Uh, so there is that initial cost for startup. But after about 25 that, bucks. after that, if you have that system and you have that equipment, then you can raise as many chicks as you want for almost yeah. nothing. And how many do I need for a family of two? We're going to have scrambled eggs, you know, five times a week. How many chicks do I need to keep up with that? <laughs> Layers. I, I say I say three. Three. So, yeah, three. Three is a minimum. Good yeah. Mm-hmm. Three to five is a good number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, chickens are social birds. So if you only have two and one dies, you got a lonely bird, right? If you have three... Then if something happens to one, you still have two. And um, three hens in the summertime, you could be getting three eggs a day. In the wintertime, mm-hmm. they don't lay as often. So you can't expect to have an egg every day from every chicken in the wintertime. But in the summertime, many breeds will lay almost every day. Yeah, six days a week. 
Hard workers in our yard. They are. Yeah. They are. What other points am I missing for chicken? I know the last segment we're going to talk about other animals. We've got quail, turkey, ducks, bees, goats. But wrap it up the, the chicken topic. What are we leaving unturned? How long will it, once they hit that 16-week point of lay, mm-hmm. how long will they lay after that? That's a great question. Probably in, we're talking Arizona where chickens do have a pretty short life just because we have pretty harsh climate for them. So my birds, most of them have laid eggs all the way until they die. But as they get older, they lay fewer and fewer. The eggs do get larger the older that a bird gets, but they don't lay as often as they start to get older. They lay most of their eggs in that first year of life and then um, taper down gradually from there. You're going to get a lot of eggs in the first two, three years. Yeah, I was going to say three years is good, mm -hmm. and then it tapers off there. And Our our hens are our uh, pets, so we have five, uh, five hens that are like five or six years old at this point, and uh, out of them we get maybe two eggs a week. Uh, and then our young hens that are a year and a half old, at this point we're getting, we've got 13 of them, we get 10 eggs a day right now. We have our layers in a protected cage, mm-hmm. you know, our, our chicken prison, and the older ones, as they're stopped their laying or it's gradually gone down, we'll turn them just out loose in the orchard, like you were saying, for mm. uh, insect control, for yep. scratching, for turning the dirt, for aerating, natural fertilizing. And our strategy and knowing, because once they're all about, you know, five months in the same size, it's hard to tell how old they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're out there every day and monitoring you and really paying attention. So that's why every six months we'll switch between our Orpingtons and our Leghorns mm-hmm. so we can keep track of how old uh, Well, and that's a, you know, that's is. a really good point. If you go to buy an adult hen, an adult laying hen, you have to pay attention to that. You know, it could be uh, pullet-like. But when you look at a and when you look at a hen, you can tell if they're old, just like you know when somebody's older. If they're you know you can you can tell the difference between a thirty and a sixty year old. Yeah, once you have some experience with you chickens, some, you yeah. just have to pay attention to that. So be really careful if you're buying uh, adult hens, especially off Craigslist. You know somebody might sell you a three year old hen that's not laying anymore. <laughs> Which what would you? Why? Right. Unless you exactly. needed your uh, exactly your, your companion you chicken. You just need a companion chicken or yeah. a gardener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and you know the the in permaculture, permaculture I like to call the art and science of working with nature, and in permaculture all of our workers. So we're going to talk about quail and turkey and ducks and bees and goats briefly in the next segment, and chickens. They're workers in our yards. So how do we put them to work? And in permaculture, we have a term called stacking functions. So we have one chicken or a chicken that does multiple things. So my chickens, they uh, till for me. They eat bugs. They eat weeds. Uh, I've seen them take out mice before. I have too. And scorpions. Oh, and scorpions. I had a HOA about 10 years ago come to me and say, we want to get some chickens for our common area because we've got scorpions. It's like, yes. Um, And they're providing fertilizer for me. And they're providing eggs every day and entertainment. So in permaculture, we call that stacking functions, where we have one asset, which is a chicken, doing multiple things in our yard. And, you know, again, in my yard, they mow my grass for me. So I'm a happy camper about that. Mow it, fertilize it. Yep. (laughs) Aerate it. Keep an insect uh, bug bug population down. So 
the, the the chicken, where, where do you, uh, you mentioned ranchmen. Is that where yep. you get yours? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, been, I've gone to Western Ranchmen for the 20 years that I've been keeping chickens. Uh, South Phoenix, there's a Gordon's Feed is a good one. Mm, um, uh-huh. There's uh, the Stock Shop in Glendale is another good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Olson's Grain in the Prescott. Prescott oh, they've got Prescott, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley, uh, Flagstaff. I know there's a couple good ones out east valley as well there are uh the pet shop or is it the pet club the pet club mm-hmm. has a a good selection and then in tucson there's a couple that uh that are very good as well but i will say look at what hatchery they're ordering them from our best success from all of the chickens we've ordered uh-huh come from a, a, a one hatchery and i really think it's because it's in new mexico so it's in the Southwest. A lot of these other big hatcheries are out of Iowa. Right. And they're breeding um, much different chickens than what you get a great success with here in the Southwest. So, so you got my <laughs> attention. What's the hatchery? Privet. Oh, okay. Privet hatchery out of New Mexico. Cool. So just look on where they've where most stock shops will have a their chickens for sale. They usually have something from the hatchery pinned up on the wall of all the different ah, breeds that you can get very good yes. and the hatcheries will put their names on those posters so look for privet from out of new mexico oh cool very I, very I good success rate out of today it, it works a lot better than ordering them direct out of uh like a mcmurray's out of iowa yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and we've done and, that before yeah you, know, you you just order them and they ship them to you so as Kari said and the last uh the last thing on that I know that after 90 degrees, they don't like to transport them. So we're getting to that area of time. Yeah. If you're interested in chickens and getting started, your window of purchasing your, your chicks is, is dwindling. Uh, they'll ship at night, but it's not going to be long before <laughs> in parts of Arizona. That, that's, we're not going to get below that 90-degree mark that they don't like to ship over. But that is bees true. Bees and chicks both. Mm-hmm. You know what well, I'm a chicken fryer. Cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and the radio. Wrapping up our outdoor living hour, we're fourth Saturday of the month. We talk urban farming with Farmer Greg, and he's brought in special guest Kari Spencer. We're going to talk about where to get your book, uh, but we've got Richard on the line uh, for who will wrap up our chicken conversation with a great question. Richard, welcome. Well, thank you. Hey, first off, I, I listen to you guys every weekend. I wanted to thank you for recommending Captain Jack's Dead Bug last week. I bought some of that stuff, and it works great. Well, thank you. That's a, 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 I, I'm never out of it at my house. Well, I never knew about it before, but now I absolutely love it. Hey, my question regarding chickens is I've been thinking about it. I've got to talk my wife into it. What about their companionship with cats and dogs? Because we have both. Oh, yes. Cats and dogs. Well, I'll do the cats, you do the dogs, or do you want to do the other way around? I, I don't have cats, so you, you Okay, do good. One. I'll do the cats. Cats are cats and chickens are friends, actually. Uh, a cat will take out a chick, but cats, adult cats and adult chickens are about the same size, and they pretty much leave each other alone. I've never had a problem with it. In fact, I used to have a... Uh, uh, a black cat that lived in my yard about 10 years ago called Jack. He was a feral that showed up in my backyard one day, and uh, she used to 
sleep back with the chickens at night. So chickens. Well, you and mentioned cats. that you have cats at the urban farm. Yeah, so that kind of was my. Yeah, got dogs too. Dogs are a different thing. Yeah, dogs can go either way. They could be a great friend to your birds, or they could be an enemy who always wants to take out mm-hmm. your chickens. So, at our farm, we had some puppies that we raised. And they never knew anything else but chickens, and they would lie in the yard and let the chickens crawl all over them Mm. and didn't bother them a bit. They didn't try to kill any of them. But if you have a dog that's already on your property and you bring chickens on, they may take issue with that. And you would need to do some tests to see how that was going to go with the dog on the leash and train that dog. Some dogs can be trained. And some dogs can't. So there really isn't just one answer to this. But you could, you can give it a try. And you can attempt to train them away from the chickens. Um, otherwise, you just have to keep them separate and have yeah. a really strong chicken coop that the dog cannot get into. Yeah. And dogs are recognized personality in chickens. We had a German shorthair cypress for a period of time that this one rooster would go by and just taunt him that he <laughs> couldn't get him and one day when amanda went to feed she she dropped her guard just a slight bit cypress blew out the door he ran by two dozen chickens and three other roosters and targeted on the one that had been <laughs> pecking them oh. and this rooster bowed up and it was ready to fight and that fight lasted about a split second <laughs> oh. and the dog he, ran off he was no match yeah. <laughs> for cypress yeah, there you go. as big and tough as that rooster thought he was he was no match <laughs> Well, there you go. So, so yeah, if you you know, and that's that's part of our chicken coop. It's you know, it's designed to keep our new dog out. We have a you know an Australian healer. She's all about the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> now, where can uh, one of Richard's other questions? Where to sign up for your classes, Greg? Oh, very good. So, urbanfarm.org is our website. Uh, in fact, Kari and I just uh, Kari did a, a chicken class this week. You can find it at urbanfarm.org forward slash chickens. Uh, you can also send me an email, greg at urbanfarm.org, and uh, we'll get you set up. There's We do a lot of uh, in-person stuff here in town, but we also do uh, webinars online. We had a, the, our chicken webinar, we had about 100 people on it all over the, from all over the world uh, on Wednesday night. Wednesday yeah, night. Wednesday night, yeah. Very good. And uh, your podcast? Urbanfarmpodcast.com. We, when we just... Did you break the million? We broke the million nice. the first week of April, so we've had a million listens. Yeah, yeah, and we're almost to 400 episodes on the podcast. And so. they come out two times a week? Two, two times a week. Two podcasts per week? Yep, Tuesday and Saturday. I get the email notification every time that, uh, hey, new podcast ready, new podcast yep. ready. And you can get that at urbanfarm.org. And you rotate a variety of guests as well through your oh gosh, programming. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And people can order the City Farming book at? CityFarmingBook.com. CityFarmingBook.com. Easy enough. Thank you all for being here on this beautiful Saturday. When we go come back in May, we're talking peach and apple harvest. Oh, yes. Yeah, what do you do with them all? <laughs>